0: Welcome to Tell Me More About Co-Housing with Lynn Morstead and Kelly Soika. Co-Housing Houston is a multi-generational community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We are developing the first co-housing project in Texas, in Houston, even ahead of Austin. Good morning, Kelly.
1: Good morning, Lynn, and good morning, Margaret. We have a special guest with us today. Hi.
0: Yeah, I'd like to introduce Margaret Brown, who is the, well, I'm going to let her tell about who she is, but she is a person who's been following our project with great interest. And she has a special role at the city of Houston, so we wanted to thank her for fitting us into her busy workday this week. So, without further ado, Margaret, why don't you tell us a little bit about what your official role is, and um, you know, why you think we invited you here? <laughs> <laughs> well, good morning. My name is Margaret
2: Wallace Brown, and I am the director of the Planning and Development Department for the City of Houston. And as such, um, it's my job to Uh, craft policy for city uh, council to approve that um, encourages an orderly development that makes sure that as houston develops we do so with access to all of the services and uh, transportation mobility needs that we have Um, we manage all of the um, policy related to Land development in Houston, and graphic information systems, and historic preservation, and so basically, if you're developing land in Houston, you're you're going to be
1: dealing with my office. Nice, thank
0: you, Wonderful. thank you,
1: Margaret. I'm really excited that you're here because I have not, I don't have the longevity that Lynn has in Houston, and I'm always amazed by the just bouyabes of things in Houston. It's like everything is here, you know. I really, really deeply love that about our city. But with that comes some criticism from people that that our city doesn't have, you know, great planning or great zoning or great whatever. But I think the more I learn about it, the more I realize that that's not really true. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about Houston itself and the challenges of urban planning, but also the strengths that we have in this city? Sure. So Houston is famous nationwide for being the largest city in America
2: without a zoning ordinance. And, um, you know, Houstonians have three times said that is not their jam. They do not want us to, to regulate land in that way. And so what it's given us is an opportunity to be far more organic and to be far more responsive to the market and to what Houstonians needs are um, than it would if we had a long um, process of having to rezone a specific neighborhood mm-hmm. in order to um, assist the development or the changes in needs in the development of that neighborhood. So Houston, you know, we, we plan, we don't zone, but we do a lot of planning and um, have a general plan that is a guidebook for how Houston can um, improve and how we how we need to um, develop into the future, into the 22nd century, even. We look that far ahead sometimes at what we're doing. And and so, you know, Houston's a city of neighborhoods, and within those neighborhoods, there's a great mosaic of land uses within them. And the beauty of that is that that's a traditional way of developing these, um, I'm going to say, uh, suburban um uh, Developments yeah. where you need a car to get um, yeah. to get everywhere is not a traditional way of building a community, and so um, Houston has far more of those traditional walkable um, interconnected communities than uh, than we possibly would have if we had instituted a zoning ordinance in any of the three times we tried. Um, we're you know from a from a tourist perspective, we're a great food scene. We've got great <laughs> art. We've got great um, theater. We we have beautiful bios. We are a committed community when it t- comes to investing in um, green space and um, arts and theaters and the in, the amenities in the community. And so it's it's a community that has a heart. I. I you know, with as many disasters as any of us have seen, even in your short time in Houston, Kelly, you've at least seen one or two, but the most the, the most lasting images that many of us have about Harvey is not the devastation of, of someone's homes, although that was terrible, but many of us have those long lasting images of Houstonians helping people who were mm-hmm. devastated. The lines around the George R. Brown of people who were trying to volunteer to, whether it was sort clothes or muck people's homes or or whatever it was, the, the way Houstonians rise to, to um, the need is amazing. Uh, the mayor was speaking at... Um, an event that the State of the City address, maybe about three or four months ago, and he said so very clearly that Houston rises as one. We are one city who takes care of each other, and as we rise, um, it, it is as one city. And and I, I, I believe that, even if he hadn't said that, that that's been a mantra of mine about Houston. I, I'm I'm somewhat intrigued by your Booyah statement. I've often said that we are a gumbo. A gumbo, okay. (laughs) A little bit more Southern. I'm going to say gumbo. We are this amazing gumbo of energy and ideas and um, just, you know, I don't know that I've seen in all the other cities that I've dealt with and worked with, worked with um, that I've seen this type of, of gumbo um, mixing of of lives like we have. in Houston.
1: That's exciting because as the first co-housing, I feel like we're kind of adding our own little little bit of, I don't know what, green mm-hmm. pepper or something to the <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so and you- We're a new ingredient to the government. Yeah, pie. I know,
1: right? Yeah. Can absolutely. You, can you tell us a little bit about kind of what is being built here? Thank you for that distinction between zoning and planning, too. That is that is actually really helpful and something that I think lay people like me don't really understand. But, you know, in, in talking with you about planning, you said that there are a couple of types of, of things that often get built in Houston right now and that there's really a need for something different. So I was hoping you might be able to tell us a little bit about that from from a city planning perspective. Yeah,
2: so our development is guided by what we call chapter 42, which is the code of ordinances that that is the development code in Houston. And it is, um, the latest change was made in the early nineties and it is um, effectively a code that, that encourages Basically, three types of housing for Houston. Um, you know, we we have a very limited market on what's being being built for Houstonians to live in. We've got. Um, you know, single family homes on five or 6,000 square foot lots, which is the traditional neighborhood that that many of us might have grown up in or that we're familiar with. Those are mostly built in the suburbs, you know, outside a little bit further from the Houston Central Core, um, because that's where the land is is cheap enough to, to build that type of development. Building it inside the, the urban core is almost unaffordable for anybody. Yeah. Um, then, then, In the 90s, we began this process of being able to subdivide those five and 6,000 square foot lots into two or three, um, typically called townhomes, although they're not necessarily that legal description, but two or three, two, three, four-story homes on those smaller lots. And that was a great opportunity to lower the prices for homes for Houstonians. but over the over the years, those prices have you know become almost unaffordable for many Houstonians too. And then the last the last product that we really have on the market is are the larger apartment complexes, the ones that take up two, three, four acres, um, that ha- that may or may not have ground floor retail. Mostly, they're going to have ground floor um, garages. Yeah. And um mm-hmm. and and you know you plop one of those three acre. Town, those three acre apartments in a neighborhood and it really it really transitions that neighborhood and, the, and what the streetscapes like. So having those three products as our primary um, homes for Houstonians, we in the planning department have said how do we, Get back to this traditional type of development like many of us that grew up in Houston went to college here lived in fourplexes or duplexes while we were in college um, garden style apartments that maybe were 15 16 units or that type of thing mm-hmm. um, you know just infill development um, maybe that's a technical term I shouldn't be using but but when you when you add homes back into a neighborhood. Maybe you've got vacant lots that we're putting homes onto. Those should be compatible and sympathetic to the existing fabric of the community. Mm. And and what we have on the market these days really isn't as sympathetic as it could be. And so what we're doing in my department right now is a deep dive into our development codes to figure out how can we encourage exactly what you all are building? Um, How can we make the rules um, more, got, so that we can encourage and incentivize the type of development that you're building. Your your neighborhood is is neighborhood. Um, it's open. It's it's porous to the, the to the blocks and the and the homes around it, so that you have this communication with your neighborhood. It's not something that's just um, plopped down on a piece of land that turns its back and is insular. And, and that's really good for Houston and for Houstonians. And we don't see enough of it.
1: I like that. When you talk about infill, the East End specifically, you know, I feel like uh, it's different than other areas even around us that I now when you identify those three types of development, I can see those in neighborhoods around us. Whereas the East End to me feels like it has not maybe experienced that quite as heavily as other parts of the city. And do you feel like there are other elements about the East End that might make that so, that might make it that it is still more residential and more organic in its growth?
2: Well, so the East End, you know, being being traditionally um, uh, a, a neighborhood for laborers, primarily those working either along the ship channel or on the rail lines or and in the businesses across the ship channel, you know, it comes from a different perspective than many of, uh, of Houston's other neighborhoods come. So honoring that, um, that that character is important um, for new development. It, it Having the metro line is a great asset to the East End. Mm-hmm. And it is perhaps one of the uh, planners talk about what we call the 15 minute city, which is mm-hmm. the idea that you know what that is? Yeah, the yeah idea I love that. that. You, you can get anywhere um, you need to get within 15 minutes. And the East End there's another there it's not the only neighborhood in Houston like that way but it is certainly a key neighborhood that is that can be and is truly walkable and can be a 15 minute city and so encouraging more development that is indicative of that character is really is is important to Houstonians and that's what this development's doing you're you're you are capitalizing on the character that exists as opposed to coming in and changing the character
0: -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe you could say a little bit more about how we fit into the the physical area because it's interesting. I was just thinking about how we've challenged a lot of our members to consider moving from a two-car household to a one-car household because we'll be directly on the rail line. There's the B-cycle station is a block and a half away. The hike and bike trail is right there. So um, are there any other aspects that you would would highlight about? this type of community fitting into the East end.
2: Well, I think the other aspect of it, and it does tie back to um, parking and car ownership is that um, your homes face the street and your, Mm -hmm. your homes really do have a ground floor. They communicate with the street on the ground floor. So Mm -hmm. many of of what we see in Houston is um, the ground floor is, is an auto centric use and, living happens on the second floor or, or living happens behind the garages so that the, the house um, has no communication with the street. What, what you're doing is you're providing uh, you know, an asset for the neighbors who live across the street from you, whether they're in your development or not, by eyes on the street by the fact that you're going to use your front door that you're going to be in and out of it you know however many times a day mm-hmm. um you'll you know it won't just be um kind of a, a false front that the neighborhood has to look at that will actually it, you know it'll be it'll be act- a- activated space and so that'll mm-hmm. be terrific um you have you know you've you've kind of decoupled your parking from your living area which um makes your area much safer for pedestrians you've uh, you know one of the things that we that we have a challenge with with front loading garages is that um the 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 sidewalk is broken up every 22 feet with a driveway yeah. it's very unsafe um pedestrian access yours you've got uninterrupted sidewalks around your development and have and have located all of your driveway and your auto access to one it's probably 30 feet and on one side of your block, which is much safer for pedestrians. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we spent about a year and a half working on what we call a vision zero action plan. The idea that we will eliminate all deaths and serious injuries due to automobile crashes um, by the year 2030. And this development is absolutely vision zero
0: supportive. You know, one of the, one of the things that I've, that brings back to mind for me is one of the things that Kelly and I talk a lot when we talk to the public, and that is that we are not built for convenience. We're built for connections. So we're, we're really built. So this idea of not being either on top of or uh, behind your garage is a real paradigm shift for a lot of people in our climate and in the world that we live in here. So it's reassuring to see how this lines up with a longer term future healthy vision for inner city living. Yeah, yeah. it does. Which, which actually brings us to another area of, of probing that we wanted to explore, and that is how does co-housing work with the social environment? You talked about the safety, but maybe there's something more that um, strikes you about this type of, of a living situation.
2: Well, what I find interesting about your, uh, your members is the, how you are actively seeking members who are not, like you, um, you know, there you've got a variety of ages and a variety of professions and a variety of stages in life, which means that, you know, you're going to have folks who um, come and go from their homes all through the day and night. It's not as though uh, it's a subdivision of everybody who's working eight to five downtown, and so everybody leaves at seven thirty in the morning and everybody comes back at five thirty. There's a constant movement. Um, on this develop, there will be a constant movement on this development that will also support the neighborhood. And then I, I know Lynn, I know you, I know, mm-hmm. I know how um, connected you want to be to everything around you. So, um, the engagement that you've done with the community, the the getting involved in some of the um, civic club and the super neighborhood mm-hmm. activities and so forth is real key, also. Um, I, everything I know about this development, both from the social and the physical planning aspect of it, is something that is um, integrating, um, that is meshing and and building a connection with um, the community around it. Instead of building your own amenities, which is what, you know, often happens when um, apartment buildings are built, you know, they build a gym, they build a community space, they build this inside the the um the facility what you're doing is the city is your amenity you're Mm -hmm. um you know you're encouraging your um your residents and your members to to reach out to to the the tentacles of your development reach out into the neighborhood and and that doesn't always happen
0: right right it's
1: so interesting because i feel like we're listening to like You know, it's like, so you want to, if you want to complain about Houston, do something about it that actually planning (laughs) is not the city's problem or the city's (laughs) responsibility, like, hey guys, you can do something, you know, so I feel really happy to be part of a solution in ways that I didn't even understand we were a part of the solution You know, to be an infill, like I knew that that was the right thing to do, but I didn't really understand why. And so it's been very illuminating to me Mm -hmm. to hear about that. And also just very empowering to think that the things that that you're doing are building connection beyond your immediate world. And, you know, on the bigger level, making Houston a more walkable, more human-sized city than it is today. Um, So I guess that my question is, do you think it would work in other parts of Houston? Are there is do you think that there is an appetite for that kind of connection in community in Houston?
2: Oh, absolutely. I, I think people I, I so, you know, maybe the past two years has emphasized this even more than before, but I humans are are, are um, social animals and and the need for connection is great. And I I see so. The structure, the the co-housing capital capital C capital H housing structure, has not been done in Houston before. This is this will be the first, and I am thrilled to to know about it and to be part of it and to you know be able to talk about it. But what we do see, what we are seeing across Houston, is a variety of people who have who are really thinking through, wait a minute, is this the type of development Mm. that I want to be responsible for? Is this how I want to use my money that I'm investing and that I am building for the future in Houston? We've got, you know, developers often get a bad rap and, and I'll be the first to admit there are some bad developers out there, (laughs) but I, I work with some folks who have Houston's best, you know, for the most part, um, developers are very conscientious about what they're building and what they're um, what they're saying to future Houstonians. And so I have conversations every day with folks who are saying, "How can I make this development more walkable?" Mm. Whether it's um, the the gentleman I can't think of his name in the in Fifth Ward who's just rehabbed um, a whole street front of homes and built some townhomes behind it that is building. Um, a situation where the neighborhood has actually done the investment, and they're and they're getting they're actually getting um, it's kind of a crowdfunding type development in the fifth ward, and they're wow. getting checks um, already wow. because the, the financing. Um, the working with a guy who's restoring an entire row of original shotgun homes in um Friedmanstown for rental purposes and and they're gonna be you know kind of moderate priced um so but again it's a walkable it's being part of the neighborhood it's contributing to um the fabric I mean I work with people every day who are looking for a couple acre sites that they can put um you know, pocket neighborhoods on, Mm. very similar to what you're doing. So the fact Mm -hmm, that you found mm. your site back when you did is is a benefit to you. I I think this is the wave in Houston and this is what Houstonians want. And this might be the way for us to stem the tide of losing young families to the Mm. suburb as as we provide a bigger variety of homes at a bigger variety of price points. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we'll we'll put ourselves in a better position for for keeping and retaining this um, this amazing gumbo of people in Houston.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Margaret, kind of as a parting thought, and if there was anything else you wanted to make sure you mentioned on our podcast today, what makes you personally most excited about this project?
2: Um, I think your location, I, I think you've been very intentional in um, in really exploring how it addresses the community, and I'm very excited about it being a model for others as people look for ways to do more connected, more um more permeable developments for communities. I think it is a model that all of us should look to, and I am very excited that um, it—you it, know—that that you've chosen Houston. First of all, I mean, this is, <laughs> I've been to a number of co-housing sites across America, and um, so having one in Houston, I think, is very cool. And I'm just—I'm really excited for the future of you know what what it's going to look like and what what will come from it, what will what what it will spawn.
1: Thank you. Well, Margaret, we can't wait to have you over for a community dinner in our in our common house and show you not just the dream of it, but the reality of what it's like to live in that way. Mm -hmm. Terrific, Mm -hmm. terrific! I can't wait.
0: Well, thank you, Margaret, again for your time this morning, and thanks to all our listeners for stopping by today. We're so glad you clicked on our episode. For more information about our project, Cohousing Houston, go to www.cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about cohousing, we like cohousing.org. We're really active on social media, so check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Cohousing Houston. Don't forget, we have a groundbreaking coming up, so we'll see you there. Bye for now.